that we cannot love and care for others without God's grace. And frankly, we can't accomplish any of the work that we have before us without God in our life and so that we need him. And this is why in these verses, Jesus invites you to ask, to seek, and to knock. And so let's read Matthew chapter 7, verses 1, or sorry, verses 7 through 11. It says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and the one who knocks, it will be opened. Or which one of you, if his son asking for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? Three key points tonight. The first is this. We're going to talk about the promises that Jesus makes. You guys, if you've been studying the Sermon on the Mount, you'll understand this. This is not the first time Jesus talks about prayer. In fact, he used the Lord's Prayer as a part of a conversation earlier and gave a model for prayer. He also talked about the hypocrisy that the Pharisees use, right, in prayer. And they want to be heard and they want to be loud and so forth. And so, listen, what we know is this, is that this isn't the first time Jesus talked about prayer. But he's actively encouraging you and I, okay, to pray by giving us some promises that if we pray, these things will happen. Because see, prayer is the greatest blessing that puts us in touch with God. It puts your flawed self and your sinful self in touch with God's perfection. It puts your needs in touch with his provision. It puts your lacking in touch with his supply. Think about it like this. Prayer is an invitation to the banquet table of God. But many of us, if we're to be really honest with ourselves, many of us, this is what we tell God when he gives us the invitation to come to the banquet table and spend time with him. I'm too busy, so I'll do that tomorrow. Because if we were honest, if any of you prayed today, majority of us were praying about a specific thing that we needed throughout the day. Probably crisis-driven, like you had a quiz that you didn't study for, and you're like, God, help me remember everything my teacher talked about, right? And so when you think through these things, this is what it's talking about, that God's inviting you into the table. And so the promises Jesus make are this, ask and it's given to you. What does ask mean? It implies a conscious, you're asking for a conscious need. That you are having, you are having this sense right here. That you come to God in humility to say, God, I can't fix this need on my own and I need you. And so by asking, I'm basically saying this, I need help. So I uh, was watching a Facebook video of a friend of mine from like 2012. He had a little toddler in one of those little cars that you get in and your feet move, right? And uh, he got in the car as a grown adult, like as a dad, and like uh, he got stuck, right? So it was hilarious watching him because like he was trying to get out of it. I mean like he had one arm out the front windshield, one leg under the car, one leg out the door, and then the other, his head was out the side window on the other side. And listen, he was, at, he was seeking help, but uh, everybody was just videotaping and laughing. But man, when we have a need, in humility, we actually have to ask for help. 
And so this is what Jesus promises, that when you ask, okay, and you do it persistently, you will receive. See, the command suggests persistence. It's an, it's an, it's an imperative statement that has a continuous action. That not, I don't just ask once. God, will you do this? And then that's the only time I ask for it, then I just trust him to take care of it. No, there's a persistence that comes with asking God. And when we do this, we receive. And listen, God hears us when we ask. Here's the second promise, that if you seek, you will find. Think about it like this. A child in a room with his mom, and he sees his mom, but he needs something. Like she has, she has access to a pair of scissors that he needs to cut something. So he says, Mom, can I have the scissors? He asks, right? He's in the presence. He sees her. He asks. Seeking is like this. Mom is not in the room, so he asks for a pair of scissors, something like this. Hey, Mom! Mom doesn't answer, so what does he do? He, he, he actually takes action and he goes and he finds where mom is and then asks mom the question, can I have scissors to cut this? And so when you think about this progression, it's like this. Seeking involves asking, but it adds an action. It's more than expressing a need. It's to get up and look around for help. It involves effort. Listen, when, we do this, when you do this, when you seek God and you find him, Okay, you will find him. He reveals himself when we seek him. And the third promise is this, that when you knock, it will be open. To knock includes asking plus action plus perseverance. This is someone who keeps pounding on a closed door. Um, when I was a small child, me and my brother uh, play, were playing in a car trunk. So we're playing in the trunk, and my brother and me think it's a cool idea to close the trunk. Now, you guys already know. what Again, anybody this happened to everybody else, or was I just the only not smart person ever in life, okay? I clo we closed the trunk. Guys, this is before you had cell phones. And so we closed the trunk, and then we think it's cool at first because it's like pitch black in there. We're giggling and laughing. We think it's funny, and then all of a sudden we realize we can't get out. Nowadays, they have these little things in your trunk that you can push a button and it can open it from the inside, but they didn't do that. So we're panicking. So you know what we started doing? Our, our mom wasn't in the trunk with us, and our dad wasn't in the trunk with us. So we're, we're in action mode, asking mode, and now we're in knocking mode. We were kicking the trunk as hard as we could kick it. Luckily, for a little five-year-old, six-year-old self, we kicked it hard enough and it didn't latch all the way that we were able to pop it open and get out. But listen, there was a real sense of like, help, I need help. And listen, when this happens and we go before God and we're persistent with it, God opens the door when we knock. What if I was to tell you that God wants to give you eternal spiritual treasures, but he will not give them to you until you are ready to receive them? Because here's, in summary, what I'm asking you and challenging you to do when it comes to the promises that Jesus makes is this. He wants us to be passionately persistent in our praying. And too often we only turn to prayers in crisis situations. But how often do we persist in prayers for spiritual growth of our own lives? Like when's the last time that you were persistently asking, God, give me a pure mind? Or God, give me a forgiving spirit? Or God, help me speak good words. 
Because I bet if you were honest, an honest conversation, we don't persistently pray for those things. What are we persistently praying for? God, will you heal so-and-so? God, will you do this for me? Will you give this for me? And it's not, it's not spiritual growth aspect. It's all these physical needs that we see in our life. And so if we're honest, we don't do this enough. But if we only give passionate persistence in prayer when we sense our need for God's grace, then listen, you have no hope for spiritual improvement apart from God. You cannot grow in your faith apart from Jesus. And so we should rejoice when Jesus invites us to ask, seek, and knock when it relates to our own spiritual growth. Jesus illustrates the promise, and you guys can see it in verses 9 through 10 when he asks these rhetorical questions, okay? Like if a child asks for some bread, you're going to give him a stone, or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent? You and I would know this. No parent in a serious way if a child asks for bread, would hand them, hand them a rock and say, eat it. Or if they ask for a fish, we give them a snake. I promise you this, if my dad gave me a snake, snake when I asked for a fish, I would have uh, probably died. On, I hate snakes. Right? But listen, our parents, your parents, who are not perfect, give you good gifts. Right? But God, the heavenly father, waits with good gifts for his children that those who believe in him and begin to ask for things that enrich our spiritual lives, he's waiting to give you these gifts. But he will not give them until you're ready to receive them. One commentator said this, that God does not spoil his children. He doesn't just give gifts to give whether you're ready to receive them or not. He gives when you are ready to receive. And part of ready to receive is that I'm in the constant pattern of asking, of asking God and not seeking God and knocking on God's doors for these things. Because listen, if your parents or a parent who is not perfect because of their sinfulness only gives good gifts to their kids, how much more will Jesus give gifts to you? Listen, Jesus assumes that even sinful people have the ability to give good gifts. But his gifts are so much greater. And listen, if you belong to Christ and he's your heavenly father, you're his child, then prayer becomes the vehicle in which, which you make your requests known to him. And as God delights in giving his children good things when they ask and seek and knock, listen, he's honored by your persistence. He's honored by your expectancy. God is honored when you constantly pray and ask him for things, and then he's honored by the fact that you actually expect him to give you what you're asking for. Now listen, if you're here and you don't have eternal life through Jesus Christ, listen, I can promise you this. If you ask him with your whole heart to save you, he will. But if you're here and you already believe, but you're short on Christian graces, what, what I mean by that, it means this. You need to keep praying. For instance, I have a problem with lying. And so I'm going to ask and seek and knock, and God will help me become a truth teller. I have a problem with cursing or filthy talk or crude jokes. I'm going to ask and seek and knock, and God's going to help me only speak words that edify and build up. 
I'm not generous. So I'm going to ask and seek, and God's going to build these things up in my life. Why do these things matter versus some of the other things like a boyfriend or girlfriend or a 100% on a test? Because these things that I talked about here are spiritual work that God does in our lives that are marks of a Christian life. These are the things that matter to God. When's the last time that you asked, sought, and knocked on the door for the salvation of your friends? Because these are the things that matter. What would our world look like if we prayed passionately and persistently for spiritual things that deepen our own spiritual growth? What would the world look like if we prayed for spiritual things that deepen our own spiritual growth and the growth and spiritual growth in the life of other people? I can tell you what it would look like. This room would be full of teenagers all the way to the back. This building, this entire church building would be exploding with growth because God would be doing a spiritual work in people because we were asking and seeking and knocking and saying, God, do these things. How about this? The mission field would be smaller and shrinking in size because people would actually be living out the gospel, sharing their faith. But see, as I studied this, then some things became apparent to me. The point number one is, is that the promises that Jesus make, point number two is this, is that the lies that we believe. Many people find it hard to believe how simple God has made it to approach him. That we can pray, that praying is too simple. And so we believe these lies that people present to us, and they're lies like this. Pray, lie number one is that prayer is not appropriate. Some may feel doubt and timid to pray because we struggle with our own sinfulness and unworthiness. In fact, Martin Luther, a theologian in church history, he said this, God knows that we are timid and shy, that we feel unworthy and unfit to present our needs to God. We think that God is so great and that we are so tiny that we do not dare to pray. But this is the very reason why Christ wants to lure us away from such timid thoughts to remove our doubts and have us go ahead confidently and boldly. Others may not feel it's not appropriate for us to pray because God's children don't tell God what to do and what we need. But let me ask you some questions. If your parent, do your parents wait before supplying your needs until they ask you if you have a need? No, many of you ate today because your parents in some form or fashion made sure that you had food to eat today, right? Did you, did anybody, maybe some, maybe some of you are still growing, walked in and said, hey, mom, do we have anything to eat today? But I bet some of you were given what you needed today, a good gift today, without asking for it because your parents worked. Then why should we suppose that God's gifts are dependent upon our asking? God's giving depends on our asking is neither because he's ignorant until we inform him or because he's reluctant until we persuade him. So God is not on a throne where he's like, oh, hey, Thomas, I'm not giving you what you want until you persuade me that that's what you deserve. Or Caleb, you better inform me on what's going on there so I can answer your prayer. That's not who God is. In fact, listen to this. The reason has to do with us, not him. 
The question we should be asking is, is are we ready to receive what he is ready to give? John Stott says that the truth is that the heavenly father never spoils his children. He does not shower us with gifts, whether we want them or not, or whether we're ready or not. Instead, he waits until we recognize our need and turn to him in humility. Therefore, he says these words, Jesus' own words, ask and it will be given to you. Prayer is the very way God himself has chosen for us to express our needs to him and our humble dependence upon him. And prayer is very much appropriate and designed by God to be how we communicate with him. So let me tell you this, prayer is not appropriate? Yes, it is. And it's appropriate because God wants you to ask him so that in your persistence, you can be ready to receive what you're asking him for. Lie number two, prayer is not necessary. The objection arises more from experience here because we often look around as Christian people and we see people getting along in life without praying, without even believing. How many of you guys have ever thought to yourself, why does that, Christ, why, why does that guy get all the blessings and I'm over here as a Christian trying to be faithful to follow the Lord, but my life is a mess. You guys ever been there? Why am I trying to do what God wants me to do but this is happening over here and they're not even trying to follow the Lord and look at all the blessings that they're giving. We see people heal without prayer. We see people working and get results without prayer. We see people have an abundance without praying. We see relationships thrive without prayer. So it leads us to say that prayer doesn't really make a difference, so why should I do it? But listen, we must be able to distinguish between the gifts of God as creator and the gifts of God as father. And what do you mean by that? It's this. There are certain gifts in life that he gives no matter if you believe or not. Food, relationships, children, right? These things in life, we call these creation gifts. That these are just gifts about being a part of God's creation, you're going to get them. But let me say this. God's redemption gifts or the gifts he gives as a father when you have a personal relationship, they're different. He gives to those who have trusted in him spiritual blessings. Things like daily forgiveness, deliverance from evil, peace, increase of faith, hope, love, the powerful work of the Holy Spirit. These are the things that we pray for. Even the Lord's Prayer, which I believe you guys looked at a couple weeks ago. It talks about the two different types of gifts. God, give us today our daily bread. That's a creation gift. In the same prayer, he speaks about this, that God, give us forgiveness, give us forgiveness and deliverance. Those are redemption gifts that only those who belong to Jesus receive. And these are the things that we're to be persistent in praying for. Because prayer is necessary because when we pray for things like forgiveness and deliverance, we know this, that if we don't ask for them, we're lost. And then lie number three is prayer is not, is not productive. Listen, people who believe that prayer is not necessary argue that because God gives many who do not ask the things that they want, and they don't consider this to be productive because he fails to give to many who do pray. So we hear phrases like this, well, I prayed to pass the test, but I failed it. That's not God's fault. That's yours for not studying. Or how about this? I prayed for someone to be healed, but it got worse. Or I prayed for peace, but I feel more worried than before. 
The familiar problem with unanswered, unanswered prayers is, is that people say these words, prayer doesn't work. And so the best way to approach this lie is to remember the promises of Jesus are not unconditional. It is ridiculous to think that we have, that we have to wave our prayer wand in the air and every wish that we want will be granted. Listen, you and I should be thankful that God doesn't answer every one of our prayers. You know why? Because our own human mind and wisdom couldn't even entertain all the things that we say we want. And we should be thankful that sometimes God says no. In fact, I read about a story about a mom who's like, I've prayed that you'll be my son-in-law. And this guy was like, you and I both prayed. You and I should both be thankful that God didn't answer that prayer. Right? What he was saying is, is like, I'm not the person you want to marry your daughter, so you should be thankful for that, and I'm thankful that I didn't marry your daughter, right? We're, sometimes we're just thankful that God doesn't answer prayers. But listen, John Stott says this, being good, our heavenly father gives only good gifts to his children, and being wise, he knows which gifts are good and which are not. Certainly our heavenly father would never give us something harmful even if we ask for it urgently and repeatedly. For this simple reason, he only gives his children good gifts. And when you ask for good gifts and good things, he grants them. You ask for things that are not good, whether they're not good in themselves or they're not good for you or other people, whether directly or indirectly or immediate or ultimately, he denies them. Why? Because you matter to him. So some of you might be praying for things that he determines aren't good for you and he's not giving them to you. And the reason why he's not giving them to you is because he knows they're not good for you. And do we trust him enough to say, maybe I need to redirect my prayers to things that are good, that matter to God, so that the, he will grant these things to me. We can thank God for granting our needs is conditional, not only on our asking, seeking, and knocking, but whether or not what we desire by asking and seeking and knocking is good, right? And so it takes us to the third main point, which is the final thing is this, that the lessons we learn. Three quick things. We learn this, that prayer requires knowledge. Since God gives us gifts only, only if they are in accord with his will. Did you, hear, did you hear that? God only gives good gifts if they're in accordance with his will. And we have to take the steps to discover his will. And do you know what those steps is? He's revealed it right here. If you're praying for things and asking persistently, but they do not align with what is in this book. Do not expect to get them. Prayer is, involves knowledge. It requires knowledge. And I have to have knowledge of what God's will is. And he's revealed his will in his word. And if you read his word, you'll know his will. And you'll know the things that matter to God. And so I want to begin to pray and ask for these things. Listen, I've watched people start praying for something like a relationship. And they started praying for something. And as they were praying for the relationship, God began to change their heart. And they began to pray about a specific thing within the relationship that aligned with the will of God. And God began to grant it because it aligned with what it was. And see, this is what happens is you guys can pray about anything. But you've got to allow the Lord to work and begin to shape that thing into, into what is aligned with his will. If it's not within his will, you're not, he's not going to give you the answer you want. Prayer requires faith. That's the second lesson we learned, that it's one thing to know God's will. It's another thing to humble ourselves before him and submit our lives to his will. When we do this, we express our confidence that he will cause 
his will to be done. Listen, this is why when you pray for salvation, you do this in faith. That Jesus, I need you in my life and I'm humbly bowing myself in submission before you and entrusting my life with you for salvation. And it's the same thing that we do when we pray is it requires faith. Do we really believe that he will carry out his will in our life and the lives of the people we're praying for? And then finally, prayer requires desire. We may know God's will and believe he can carry it out, but still not desire it. Prayer is the means by which God has given us to express our deepest desires. This is the reason why ask, seek, and knock exist. We tend to know what we are asking for and whether it aligns with God's will, but then we must believe that God can grant it and we must generally want to receive it. This is when the promises of Jesus come to pass. Meaning this, if you're praying about something and you know that it aligns with God's will, then are you generally ready to receive it? Do you have a desire to actually receive what might happen? It's like the story of a friend who um, knew what God's will was, was praying that God would reveal and give him confirmation of what the next steps were in his life. And then God showed him something that he did not necessarily want that to be the case. Meaning this, he was gonna have to pack up and move somewhere else. And in the process of that, he made a decision that if I prayed for these things and I was persistent in asking for them and, and I know God's will and I know it takes faith, then now I gotta genuinely be excited about what God's doing and receive the direction he's leading me. And listen, it ended up leading his family across the country to do work that he, had, he knew he was supposed to do. And in his prayers, God began to align all of those things up for these things to be accomplished. And so I finish with this. Someone once said, any discussion on the doctrine of prayer that does not issue the practice of prayer is not only helpful, but harmful. So tonight we're gonna do, we're gonna do three things. You ready? You got a piece of paper? You should have had one in your seat. Here's what you're going to do. You're going to write down, and maybe, maybe I'll do it this way. Before you stand and sing, the band will come up right, I'll let the band come up right now. But before you stand and sing, why don't you write out some of the spiritual qualities, the things that align with God. Like if you're going to live like Jesus, this is what happens. Why don't you write down some of the qualities that you're lacking but you would like to have in your life? Maybe I want to have a spirit of forgiveness. Maybe I want to, I want to serve people better. And so you're going to write down the things that you're lacking that you would like to do more. And then before you stand and sing, you're going to pray passionately for them. You're going to ask God to give you these things. And then you're going to make a commitment when you leave here to continue to be persistent in asking and seeking and knocking and then have the confidence, number three, that God your Father will give them to you. And listen, I'll be remiss before I pray to say this. Some of you in here tonight, the first question that you need to ask is Jesus to be the Lord and Savior of your life. Because you can't ask, seek, and knock because you don't have a relationship with him. You can't get the redemption gifts that he gives because you don't know him. And so I'm going to pray in just a minute, and if that's you... When we stand and sing, I know it'll be strange, there's a few adults in the room, just go back to one of them, tell them that you need to be saved. Or mark it on that sheet of paper that you have there that I want a personal relationship with Jesus Christ and somebody will follow up with you. Leave it in your seat when you leave.
And if you're in this room and you want somebody to pray with you or you want to pray with each other, feel free to do that during our time of worship. Father, I thank you for your word, the truth that's in it. I pray right now that through the power of your spirit, you'll reveal to these students the spiritual qualities that they're lacking in their life, that they need to have in their life that align with your will. And so, Father, I pray that you'd let them write them down, and before they stand and sing another word, that they would pray and ask you to give them those things. Father, for any student in this room that doesn't have a relationship with you, that you'd bring conviction in their life, and that they would ask you to be their Lord and Savior. Father, we pray that we would be people of persistent prayer who constantly seek and ask knock on your door and ask you to do things that only you can do because God you promised us spiritual treasures and spiritual blessings to your children and God we know that you'll give them to us when we're ready to receive them and God the way that we prepare our hearts to receive them is to to be on our knees and to be people of prayer God I pray that you be glorified in our time of prayer now and our time of worship and we pray this in your name Amen